And all those Taylor Swift fans are called Swifties. They packed out the arena and they said that the excitement was so loud by the fans that it caused a 2.3 type magnitude earthquake in the city. Because they were all screaming and shouting. And fans who were interviewed said that it was so loud because of the excitement of Taylor Swift that as they began to scream, they could literally feel the ground shaking underneath them. Taylor Swift ain't the first person to do that. Because my Bible tells me that when the Lord told the people of Israel to walk around the walls of Jer Jericho, I promise you we can do some things in here. We just had about three or four more Bible readers in here. He said, Brother Mikey, that when he told them to walk around, not once, not twice, not three, but six times. And then he said, on the seventh time, yeah, Coco, on the seventh time, he said, what I need you to do is to go ahead and shout. And I want you to watch the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Is there anybody who needs some walls to come down in your life? Is there anybody who needs a breakthrough from the Lord? Is there anybody, anybody, anybody who needs God to do something in your life right now? Well, do me one big favor. This ain't the time to be cute. This ain't the time to be worried about your neighbor. But on the count of three, I want you to throw your head back. Open up your sanctified mouth and give God a Shabbat in this house like you've never done before. Here we go. One, two, three. Shout it down, shout it down, shout it down. Shout it down, shout it down, shout it down. I said shout it down, shout it down. Shout it down, your breakthrough, shout it down. Your deliverance, shout it down. Your healing, shout it down, shout it down. It's almost there, it's almost there. Shout it down, don't get tired. It's almost there, shout it down, shout it down. Now put your hands on it and say thank you, Jesus. Opening up your Bibles, if you can. Y'all make me feel like it in a minute. <laughs> to the book of John, the 11th chapter and the 4th verse. Uh-huh. I feel just like you. I see Sister Coco's mom back there. And if I didn't have to preach, I promise you I will run back there and shout with her. The Bible says to rejoice with them who rejoice. And we got something to rejoice about. They tell me that 80 years St. John has been over here giving God praise, serving the community and giving God glory. Does anybody know your God is worthy of the praise this morning? Oh, y'all don't act like it in here. I said, does anybody know your God is? You done made it through a pandemic and you mean to tell me this is all the kind of praise you got? There's somebody who didn't make it here today and here you are in the sanctuary. You mean to tell me you don't got something on the inside bubbling up right now? Somebody ought to just lose it for Jesus and have a Holy Ghost Baptist fit and give God praise in here for all that he's done. Hallelujah. We'll save it for later to the book of John, the 11th chapter. Hope you didn't miss your opportunity. The fourth verse. 
second. One more second. I got one more second for you. in the fourth verse. Thank you for letting me get that out. The word of the Lord says, but when Jesus heard this, he said this sickness is not to end in death. You know, I, I hope that we get to the place one day in church that the church doesn't have to be preached silly to give God praise. I hope that one day that when I begin pastoring, that we believe God so much that when we just hear the word, that we respond a certain way. Now that I've said that, let's try this again. But when Jesus heard this, he said, turn to your neighbor and say, he said, this sickness is not to end in death. I don't know what you're going through, but it's not to end in death. Turn to somebody and say, you're not going to die from this. <laughs> it's not going to end in death. So what is it for, Lord? He says, but for the glory of God. Why? So that the Son of God might be glorified. For a few moments, I need to preach a message. And in honesty, I'm really preaching to myself. And you can tag along if you want to. From this sermon topic, there will be glory. <laughs> there will be glory. I know you're tired of your neighbor already, but I like doing this kind of stuff. Turn to two people and say, there will be glory. There will be glory. There will be glory. You may be seated in the presence of the Most High God. Before I left St. John, venturing out to the state of Texas, where I now reside, I do recall that in Bible study, Minister Peggy had a studying from this book written by the pen of Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And in this book, the idea is of expressing love in such a way and in such a manner that the person who's receiving that love from you prefers to receive it. 
the concept here is that we want to make sure that we keep you from losing love in its translation. What do you mean by that, Brother Preacher? I'm so glad you asked. It's like in a married couple's relationship where a new wife, she began her labor of love for her husband. And I was told that every morning to express her love, she would make breakfast for her husband. She would make what she saw her mother make for her father, which was oatmeal every morning because that's how she knew love to be expressed. That's what she was taught. That's what she saw. However, she was very unhappy to see that after about a month and a half of being married, her husband no longer ate the oatmeal. I'm going to take a sip on that. She no longer ate the oatmeal and she began to question, why is it that you're not receiving my form of love to you? You used to eat the oatmeal, and now it just sits on the counter. And you make up all these excuses why you can't eat your breakfast. You say you have to work overtime, and you have to get to work early. You say you have to get to the gym, and this is not the proper time for you to eat. You have all of these excuses why you are not, and I am slaving, and I don't know what kind of woman slaves making oatmeal, but I am slaving. <laughs> I am slaving making sure that I feed you before you leave to go out the door in the morning. Yes, he turned to his wife and said, beloved, when it's all said and done, I appreciate your effort, and I'm so grateful that you rise up early to take care of me, but the truth of the matter is that I simply don't like oatmeal. I don't care how many raisins you put in it. I don't like oatmeal. The cinnamon is a nice kick, but at the end of the day, it's still oatmeal. I know your father liked oatmeal, but I'm not your father. I don't like oatmeal. I like grits. But baby, I don't know how to make grits. Well, if you want to receive, have me to receive your love, you might want to change your style of rendering love unto me. And that's the concept of the book, the five love languages, to make sure that your labor is not in vain when it comes to sharing your love to those who are recipients thereof. There are five types of love languages. The number one is words of affirmation. The second one is quality time. There's also receiving gifts. Some people are particular and they like acts of service. And then finally, there's some people who just simply like physical touch. Hmm. When I looked at all of these, I came to the conclusion that God is simply the ultimate lover. Because in Jesus, I wish I had a witness right here, he will give you words of affirmation. Nowhere else can I find other than in God and his word affirmation all over the Bible where he tells me that I'm more than a conqueror. He tells me that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil. He tells me that I am the head and not the tail, that I'm above and not beneath. He affirms me by saying that I'm the lender and not the borrower. He says that I'm blessed in the city, that I'm blessed in the field. He said, don't even look at your bank account, but you're, you're blessed when you come and when 
letting you go. He says, I have given you all the affirmation that you need, but he also gives me quality time because he says, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man would hear my voice and open unto me, he says, I'll give you quality time. I'll enter in and sup with you and you can sup with me because I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's also a good gift giver as well. Anybody ever had to receive a gift from the Lord? The Lord is such a good gift giver. The word of God says that every good and perfect gift cometh from above, from the God of lights. God is such a good gift giver that he'll find a way to give it to you. He said he'll even open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you won't even have room enough to receive it. God is such a good gift giver that he'll even do a press down, shaking together and running over shall men give unto your bosom when you learn how to let God give into your life. He's also giving you acts of service because when it's all said and done, his rod and his staff will give you comfort all the days of your life if you'll allow him to. And when it comes to physical touch, <laughs> can't nobody touch you like Jesus. <laughs> oh, I wish I had about three or four witnesses in here who can show enough testify to somebody that even when I felt like I was all alone and I was in the house all by myself, I don't care what nobody says. Somebody was in the room with me. I could feel him touching me all on the inside of my sanctified soul. And the only reason why I can hold my head up today, the only reason why I can lift up my bow down head is because he's been keeping me on the inside. He's the joy of my salvation. He touched me. Oh, the joy that flooded my soul. Something, something happened. He touched me and he made me whole. God is the ultimate lover. And after reading all of these, I come also to the conclusion that, hmm, none of these love languages are fit for our God. Words of affirmation. Who could affirm God? Quality time, well, half of us are too busy in our phones to give God our time. <laughs> Receiving gifts, everything I have, he gave me. What shall I render before the Lord? Acts of service, well, Paul even said, whatever you do, it's just your reasonable service. So present your body as a living sacrifice. It's the least that you can do. This ain't nothing special. And then when it comes to physical touch, God is a spirit. And they that worship him have to worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't physically touch God like that. So what, what can I give unto God? What is his love language? What is he looking for? Hmm. And the Lord says, God wants glory. If you want to know about God's love language, it's simply glory. I need a church right here to shout out glory. Come on, give it to me with some power. Shout out glory. One more time for the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout out glory. glory. What is glory? Glory is the intrinsic qualities of who God is. It is his nature. It is the atomic structure of our God. It is who he is. It cannot be diminished. It cannot be dissolved. It cannot be taken away from him. When it's all said and done, he is so much God and he has so much glory that you cannot impeach him. He is so much God and he is so much glory that I'm sorry, Matt Gates, you cannot vote him out. He 
is God. He is full of glory. Glory is who he is. Matter of fact, not only is glory who he is, but he is also the king of glory. The Bible says in Psalms, the 24th number, to lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord God strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? The Lord God mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. His glory is so majestic that Moses even said, Lord, show me your glory. The Lord turned to Moses and said, Moses, if I show you my glory, you won't be able to live. He said, no man has seen the face of God and live. But he said, what I'm going to do for you, Mo, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to put you in this rock over here, hide you in a cleft, and I'm going to put my hand. Oh, I wish I had some Bible readers right there. I'm going to put my hands over your eyes, and what I'm going to do is just slip on past you, <laughs> and then I'm going to remove my hand from your eyes so that you can see my hinder parts. You can see my backside. You can see my goodness pass by you. Has there been anybody in here who's seen God's goodness just pass by them? Almost gotten to a car accident, but for some reason the car stopped right where it was, and you saw his goodness pass right by you. Thought that you were going to get bad reports from the doctor, but the doctor came back and said that you were okay, and the, all you saw was God's goodness just go right by you. His goodness is his glory. And not only that, but God is serious about his glory. God is so serious about his glory that in the book of Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, he says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another. He says, I will not share my glory with anybody. In other words, I will not give the credit to anybody else but me. He says, nobody else is going to shine underneath my light. <laughs> because until you are able to die on a Friday, stay in the grave all Saturday, and then rise with all power in your hands on Sunday morning, can't nobody else take the credit for what God has done. And before we go any further, can we just stop for a praise break and give God 20 seconds of glory, just thanking him for salvation. Satan himself was even dismissed from heaven because of the argument between glory. Satan, instead of giving God glory and doing what he was created to do, got into a place where he got full of himself and wanted to receive what he was created to render. And says, I will be like God and try to take God's glory. And God said, before I let anybody come in here <laughs> and take the spotlight from me, you and your imps can go on somewhere else. <laughs> and me and the rest of these angels who got some act right are going to go ahead and have some good time over here in heaven. Ah, God is so serious about his glory that he wants us to reflect and render his glory. So the Lord told me to ask St. John this one question. Will you give him the glory? Yeah, I figured you would do that. But I need you to think about this. Will you give him the glory? No, no, I, I, need, I need your minds right now. Because it's easy to celebrate this, but it's real. Will you 
give him the glory. What do you mean, preacher? No, no, break this thing down. God wants to know, can I trust you with trouble so that I can get some glory? Will you stop coming to church if I allow things to get topsy-turvy in your life? When all I'm really trying to do is get some glory. Can you endure some temporary losses in your life? So that I can get some And there's somebody in this sanctuary right now. I wish I knew exactly who you were, and you can elevate your hand if you want to. But there's somebody who's going through a trial right now, and it seems like you just can't win. No matter, no matter what you're going through, it seems like you just can't get ahead. It seems like every time you take a step forward, there comes four steps to go backwards. And it seems like you feel as though you're all by yourself and like nothing is working out. And it seems like no matter what you do, you find yourself in more peril. And it seems like the more you pray, the more things go wrong. And you are tempted to quit. You're tempted to throw in the towel. You are tempted to give up on life. You are tempted to give up on yourself. You are tempted to say that church don't work. You are tempted to say that faith don't work. You are tempted to say that you need to go out and do like your friends do. You need to go out and do like the world does because this spirituality thing is not working for you. But the Lord told me to come by here and let somebody know at St. John that you got to hold on because there will be glory. Woo! There will be glory. The word says that in all things, you are more than a conqueror. But here goes the reality. In order for you to be a conqueror, you need something to conquer. What do you expect yourself to do if you're supposed to be a conqueror, but you've conquered nothing? God says in order for me to make you valid, I've got to make you go through the valley. Mm. Satan does all he can to keep you from being that conqueror. He does all that he can with his many lies to keep you from being the conqueror that God has already called you to be. But I need you for a few moments to just to help me to silence the enemy from all of his lies. In our text, Mary and Martha, they have a sick brother by the name of Lazarus. Somebody say Lazarus. And the first thing that I want to show you in the word of God is that when you go through bereavement or when you go through a trial like Mary and Martha, the first thing that the enemy normally does is that he will attack a couple of issues. The first one that he will attack is that he will make you feel as though there is an issue with God's love. You're going through and you're wondering, does God really love me? For me to endure what I'm doing, does God really love? It's right there in the text. Can you take a look at it? In chapter uh, 11 of the book of John, the third verse, we find out that Mary, uh, Martha even comes to and says that uh, uh, Jesus, the, the, the brother you love, Lazarus, he's sick. She said it herself. I know you love him. He's sick. And not only do they know that God loves them, but guess what? Other people know that God loves them. It's right there in verse number five. The writer of John even points it out that Jesus loved them. So don't believe the lie that God doesn't love you because of your situation. The second lie you can't believe is that there is an issue with your prayer life. 
Because the next thing the devil makes us feel is as if God is not hearing my prayers. No, 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 brothers and sisters. It's right there in verse number three. The word of God says that Martha and Mary, they sent word to Jesus. In other words, they prayed. They prayed together, which means they were touching and agreeing. They were into anybody ever been through a situation where you got somebody to help you to pray. And even after that, it felt like nothing was happening. But listen, here goes your confirmation in verse number four, the A clause. The Bible says that Jesus heard them. Do you see it? I hope you got your Bibles open. It's right there in verse number six, the A clause as well. We see that once again, Jesus heard them. You prayed. God heard you. And the conflict is that God made them a promise in verse number four. He said, but when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not going to end in death. (laughs) You may get to death, but you will not end in death. And I don't know what your situation is today, my dear brothers and sisters, but whatever it is, it's not going to end that way. (laughs) It's not going to always be like this. Don't you let the devil make you feel as though this is the end for you and that there is no hope and that brighter days are not on the way. I come by here to let you know that in God's own time, come rain or shine, he has a way of providing for you just at the nick of time. He'll step in when the situation is right. And I wish I I had about five witnesses in here that can look around and tell somebody he's done it for me he's done it for me he's done it for me the conflict is between the promise from God in chapter 11 verse 4 and God's placement in verse 6 is right there in the text so once again when Jesus heard this that Lazarus was sick This is what Jesus did. He didn't leave where he was, but he decided to stay there another day, a couple of hours. No, 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 no. A whole 48 hours. Come on, some of y'all watch that TV show, First 48. (laughs) Jesus stood there for 48 hours where he was and did not come to see about Lazarus. The issue is not with God's promises, but with God's placement. My question to you is, how do you cope? How do you deal with, what do you do when God does not move? How do you respond when he's an on-time God? Yes, he is. But it ain't today. (laughs) What do you do when you prayed and cried and you know nothing else to do and you stand, but he's not moving the way that you want him to move? Come by here to let somebody know that there will be glory. That there's a big difference between giving God glory and God getting the glory out of my life. Can you walk with me for a few more moments? You see, when I give God glory, I acknowledge that he deserves the credit for what he has done. This is also a form of praise. But what God really wants out of me 
is for me to allow him to get glory out of my life. And this is when I accept his will and give him full reign to do whatever it is that he wants to do. In other words, when I marched down this aisle about 23 years ago and I gave the preacher my hand and I gave God my heart, I didn't realize it until recently that when I gave God my life, I gave God my life. That, 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 that's so simple, it's almost profound. When I gave him my life, I gave him my, because he gave up his life. In exchange, I said, live through me and when you come that's why you got to be careful with what you're doing and not just doing because somebody else has done it but when you come down here and you accept Christ you are giving up your life and giving him full reign to do what he sees fit to do so through my struggle God wants to get the glory now this is how God does it God gets the glory out of your life by intensifying your situation in other words, he makes your situation a hot mess. He makes your situation a hot mess to the naked eye. But in reality, what's really going on is that he is orchestrating a controlled environment for him to be glorified. I can prove it to you. It's right here in the text. If you look at the book of John, the 11th chapter and the 4th verse, you'll see that Lazarus is sick. And then he intensifies it. In verse number 14, Lazarus goes from being sick to now being dead. Not only is Lazarus dead, but the disciples, they're confused. In verse 17, Lazarus is now being buried, and he's been in the grave for four days. It intensifies further in verse 19. The Jews have come out to Mary and Martha's house to console them. And you know how people often console you. They really come over there to be critical. Oh, I, I, I just knew that Jesus loved y'all. I just knew y'all. Wasn't you the one that was bathing his feet, Mary, uh, with all that, that expensive oil and making him feel comfortable at home? Uh, I just knew that. I, maybe he was out there too long walking on water. I don't know. Maybe he couldn't come out to see about you. Maybe he was too busy feeding fish sandwiches to the 5,000. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe he was too busy doing other things to come and see about you. And then on top of that, he intensified it so much that Martha now starts to play the blame game. Don't act like you haven't been there yourself. You didn't heard all these voices in your ear talking about your Savior. And you do just like Martha. You go out to see Jesus and you blame him. Saying, Lord Jesus, had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It gets even worse because now Mary joins the blame game in verse number 32. Mary comes out there and she even brings an audience of Jews along with her. And they all start pointing their finger at Jesus. Had you been here, my brother would not have died. And then on top of that, the Jewish people in verse 37, they start to ridicule Jesus as well. And they say, hmm, we just knew that you would heal Lazarus just like you did that blind man. Lazarus ain't good enough for you. What took you so long to come and see about your friend Lazarus? Things have gone from bad to worse, and God has allowed it. 
you have to realize that God is not a novice, but God is a master. And when it comes to God getting involved, if it ain't hard, it ain't him. God will intensify your problem to the extent to where he gets the glory because everybody looks around and says, that had to be a God. God is waiting for your situation to get so bad to where when everybody walks away, can't nobody else get the credit. Your mama can't say she did it. Your daddy can't say he did it. No one else can say they gave you the hookup. But when it's all said and done, everybody has to look dumbfounded and say, it had to be God. Uh, it worsens so that he can reveal himself and uncover himself. And you know what? The only person that I'm really impressed with in this whole story is Lazarus. <laughs> now think about this. Lazarus is the main character in the story. But we don't. We don't know his hobbies. We don't know his age. We don't know his favorite color. We don't know what he had for breakfast. We don't know any background about him other than that he's sick and that he's now died. But all of these supporting cast members, we know all about them. We know about the disciples and how confused they are. We know about Mary and Martha and how bereaved and upset they are. We know about the Jews and how critical they are. But the main person who's really impacted by the situation, we don't know much about him. He has nothing really to say at this point, but we know all about these bystanders. But Lazarus, we don't know much about him, and he's the one that's most impacted by the situation. What are you trying to say, brother preacher? Has it ever dawned on you that your situation is not about you you're the one going through you're the one most impacted but the Lord is setting up the stage so that your sisters so that the Jews so that these innocent bystanders can get a witness of who God is in your life you're complaining about your situation and you don't realize that God has you on display in front of a whole audience because he needs them to know how good he really is. Turn to somebody and say, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. And I'm so proud of Lazarus because guess what else he does? That just makes me smile on the inside. Everyone else in this text is found either complaining or they're clueless or they're critical, or they're crying. But when it comes to Lazarus, Lazarus, according to Jesus, is sleep. <laughs> I love the God. Lazarus is sleep. And I don't know what you're going through today, but I promise you, no matter what you're going through, you can rest in Jesus. <laughs> When you know that God's got your back, <laughs> when you've seen him work miracles time and time and time again, no matter what you're going through, you can rest in Jesus. Lest I bore you, let me get on out your way. There will be glory and your change is about to come. How do you know that? Because Jesus said, roll away the stone. <laughs> 
Hold on, somebody. Roll away the stone. You're about to be put on display, Lazarus. And his sister came up and said, but master, he stinketh by now. The Lord said, that's how I want him. I want him hot and funky. I want you to open up that seal. And I want them to know that he's pale because he's dead. I want them to smell how bad he is, which means that when you go through your situation, brother and sisters, it's not the time to hide your situation. It's not the time to say you're not going through, but you ought to let people know that God is bringing me through. I'm not ashamed of what God is doing in my life because it's not going to always be like this. And you're not going to look good in front of people, but God is going to get the glory. Jesus told Martha, don't worry about how he smells. If you keep on believing, you've already seen me as a healer, but now you're going to see me as the resurrection. I need an opportunity to show you all that I can do. In other words, you've seen me do it like this. Oh, but you've never seen me do it like that. And God wants me to tell somebody here today, you've seen him work some miracles in your life before, but if you like what he did back then, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. God's got some brand new blessings on the way for you, and your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard the good things that God has in store for you. God is about to call your name. Jesus got to the grave and said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> and the Bible says that Lazarus came out bound and the Lord Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Oh, brothers and sisters, it won't always be like this. <laughs> it won't always be like this in your life. You won't always be going through your trial and your tribulation. All you have to do is just wait for your change to come because there's going to be some glory after all of this. When God is through seeing you go through and he has intensified your situation to the point where he can get some glory just wait right there because eventually he's gonna call your name and when he calls your name you can come forth and tell a dying world about your living savior and say look at me <laughs> look at what God has done in my life I am his glory I was a wretch undone but look at what God has done in my life. I was on my way to hell. Didn't have a God on my side, but he saved me. And because of what he's done in my life, I'm here today to give him the glory because he is the reason why I'm here today. Have I got one witness out there, somebody? I came by here to let somebody know that every day I'm living this scripture for myself. And when I was studying the word of God, I almost came to tears when I thought about this scripture. Brother Pastor, I have a son by the name of Micah Mason McLeod. I married your daughter in 2017 and the Lord gave me exactly what I wanted. We live in a beautiful house. Two fine cars and we're not rich but we sure ain't broke. We got cars to drive. We eat every night and God has been showing up good to me. I said, Lord, if you've been this good to me, can you do me one more thing? favor. I want you to give me a child. And I got specific on the Lord. I said, Lord, not only do I want a child, but I want a man child. I want somebody in my family who can carry the name of McLeod all down through the line. I feel pretty good right now. And I told the Lord, give me a son. And I want him to be named Micah. The Lord got us pregnant. And about nine 
nine months later, even though your daughter had to have a saclage, and we thought that we might lose her and the baby along the way. I get happy when I think about Jesus and how he kept my wife and how he kept my son before he was even born. And he was born on July 18th, 2018. I was happy on the inside because the Lord gave me exactly what I asked for. I used to hold Micah and play with Micah and I would hate to have to drop Micah off that child care because I just loved him so much. Two years later, I saw that Micah had some problems and I tried to deny what I saw, but his mother is a therapist, a clinical therapist, and she said, baby, something ain't all the way right with our son. I said, girl, it's all right. <laughs> He'll grow out of it. <laughs> Stop worrying, Mary. Stop worrying, Martha. It's going to be okay. She said, no, I think that Micah needs some special attention. So we went on down to the doctor and we had them to look at Micah. We went through about two and a half hours of them analyzing my son. <laughs> Somebody pray for me right now. <laughs> and I was sitting there and little by little I got dismayed on the inside because I thought that it wouldn't take as long and I thought that we would be alright only to find out that Micah was diagnosed with autism and he was not able to talk because of a speech delay now I got back down on my knees and I said Lord this is not what I prayed for I said, Lord, I asked you for a son. I asked you for someone to carry my name. Why did you allow my son to have this disability? This isn't what I asked you for. This isn't what you promised me. I said, Lord, with tears running down my eyes. I said, Father, I don't know how to deal with a situation like this. And it wasn't even until he turned the age of four until he even called me daddy. For four years, my son never even called my name. I didn't know what my son's voice sounded like. But all I could do was trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding but it gets better I kept on praying for Micah I kept on trusting the Lord and I said Lord, you're going to have to do something about this. You're going to have to do something about this situation. And the Lord told me, do me one favor, Philip. I just want some glory out of your son's life. I said, but Lord, I didn't ask for this. He said, yes, you did. You said when you prayed that you wanted a special child. You said when you prayed that you wanted a different child. You said that I could have my way with all of your children. And I'm just doing what you said I could do. So I said, Lord, have your way. Lord, I am the potter. You are the potter. I am the clay. Move me. Have 
your own way. Somebody look at somebody and say, neighbor, it's better to do it God's way. It's better to do it God's way. So I kept on praying and the Lord said, do me one favor. He said, make sure that when you go around with your son, try to cover up his situation. Stop being embarrassed about your son. Stop trying to hide what he's dealing with. Because when it's all said and done, being in denial is not spiritual. Being in denial is not spiritual, but being in denial is being delusional. And what I need you to do is let everybody know what Micah is going through. I need you to put him on display. I need the doctor to know. I need the teacher to know. I need his classmates to know. I need his friends to know. I need the church to know. I need the homeless man on the corner to know. I need the bum on the street to know. I need the prostitute to know. Let a couple of crack addicts know. Take some pictures of them. Take a few videos of them. Because when he becomes the president of the United States, we need some evidence of what God can do. We need a witness that God brought him out. We need some evidence that one day he was lost, but Jesus found him. We need some evidence that he was blind, but right now he can see. And I need somebody here at St. John to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. There will be glory. There will be glory. There will be glory. There will be glory. I say there will be glory after this. Look at somebody and say you ain't got to wait for the battle to be over. You can shout right now. Shout because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Shout because it's not over until the Lord says it's over. Shout because God has made you a promise and he's not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he has need to repent. I dare somebody right where you are. Just turn around right where you are. Obey me in here. Turn around right where you are. Everybody do it. Turn around right where you are because that's how God's gonna work it out. By the time, by the time, by the time, every time, every time I turn around, He keeps on blessing me. Good night, St. John. I'm on my way back to Texas. It's been really good seeing you. But if I never see you again, let me tell you one more thing. God is about to get the glory here at St. John. These pews will be filled up again. God is going to get the glory here at St. John. Men are going to come off the street. Women are going to come off the street and give their lives to Jesus. God is going to get the glory. The choir is going to sing under such an anointing. 
that the pastor can't even preach. God is going to get the glory. Just wait for it. Just hold on for it. And know that he will do it. Yes, he will. Somebody shout, yeah. Say, yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. I said, elevate your hands all over the sanctuary. Don't miss out on your blessing. As high as you can get them, get a strong spiritual connection with the Father. And just begin to worship him right now with the fruit of your lips. I know you don't feel comfortable doing it, but do it because I said so. Open up your mouth and with the fruit of your lips, worship the Lord in this place. Yes, glory is the word. Somebody say thank you. Hallelujah. We love you. We appreciate you. Let him get the glory. Sometimes you can expedite your trial if you'll just give the glory to God in advance. The Bible says that weeping may endure for a night. It don't have to go on all night long. It may endure. You can push your storm if you just give God what he's looking for, the glory. Stop crying and give him glory. Stop complaining and give him glory. Stop worrying, give him glory. Going to my seat, but brothers and sisters, this is what I told the Lord. I said, if we have to do all these doctor visits, Okay, God, but do me one favor, Lord. Make sure you get the glory. If he has to be in a special ed class, God, okay, 
but don't waste it, God. Make sure you get the glory. If he has to ride the shorter bus, I never saw that for my child. But okay, God, you make sure you get the glory, though. When his teachers say that he may never or what might happen or how bad it could be, you make sure that you prove them wrong and you get the glory. That, 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 that's all I ask, God. That's all I ask, God. If I got to go through the situation, just don't waste it, God. Make sure you get the glory. God, I want your glory to be so good that we have to write up about it. I want your glory to be so fantastic that we got to go to Oprah and have her interview us about it. I want your glory to be so thick that we have enough money from the story that we tell about Micah that we can raise a foundation for kids who are going through just like him. Whatever you do, God, just make sure that there's glory after this. And when I tell you that nothing is perfect, but all is well. When I tell you about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, when I take my son to his therapy every day, I never thought I'd be talking about all of this. And I used to be so sad about it. Until one day I picked him up and when I saw all of his other classmates and how much far worse off they were. And I don't wish bad on anybody's child. Don't take it that way. That's not what I mean. But what I am saying is God is already doing a marvelous work. Micah started karate not too long ago. And we couldn't even get him to be still. His, what is the ADHD and all these other DBCs and KYZs and everything else like that. He, he just, but it's been about two months now. And now he runs up to the front of the line. And they're like, Michael, we're just doing jumping jacks right now. Calm down. Calm. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. Oh, the day And I don't praise God to be seen, but you will see me praising God, praising my Savior all the day long.
Can we sing that as a church one more time before I go home? Come on, make me remember what it feels like to be at church. Can we sing it? This is, this is my soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breathe. This is, this is my song. Praising my Last thing, and I'm going to get out your way. I told you, I told you that the only person I was impressed with, with this scripture, was Lazarus. Micah reminds me of Lazarus. Because when it's all said and done, he's the person who's most impacted by his situation. He's the one dealing with the disability. But guess what? It's me. It's his mama, it's his grandmamas, my daddy every now and then. And sometimes pops is asking about, how is Micah, how is Micah, how is Micah, what's going with Micah, what's going with Micah? Guess what Micah's doing? Playing, having a good time, eating everything he see, going to sleep at night, waking up, going to karate. Micah is just, only people who are stressed out Micah said, it ain't about me, it's about y'all. Y'all the ones who don't have no faith. <laughs> Micah said, the Lord touched me when I was in my mama's womb. Because I wasn't supposed to be here. But if he kept me in utero, he can definitely keep me in elementary. There will be glory after this. God bless you.